Hello everyone and welcome to this Archives of Disease and Childhood Fetal and Neonatal Edition podcast. Today our topic is Automated FiO2 in Neonatal Intensive Care and the discussion we will be having will be based on two papers and a leading article from January's issue of the journal. Uh, with me to discuss the topic are two of the authors from um, the, these uh, papers and I'll let them introduce themselves to you now. Hi, I'm uh, Peter Dargaville. I'm a neonatologist and professor of research fellow here at the Neonatal and Paediatric Intensive Care at the Royal Hobart Hospital in Tasmania. Hello, and I'm, Chris, I'm Christian Poets. I'm director of neonatology at Tübingen University Hospital in Tübingen, Germany. Um, I'm going to start with uh, uh, you, Professor Poets. Um, automated uh, oxygen control NICU seems to have been around the fringes of, of practice for uh, at least the recent past. Could you give us a, a bit of background of what actually automated FiO2 control is and where the evidence has led us up to this point? Yes, automatic FiO2 control basically means that the frequently changing oxygen demands of a patient, and that's particularly true for preterm infants, can be adjusted automatically depending on the readings of the pass oximeter in use on the patient. And this is, has traditionally been a task left to the nurses at the bedside, but as you can imagine, they have other obligations, so they can't fully concentrate on adjusting the oxygen levels again and again. So what automatically oxygen control does is to automatize this task, meaning that if the oxygen requirements of a baby are changing, the oxygen controller will automatically readjust the oxygen concentration in the inspired air. This technology, um, I, I know this technology is available in, 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 in some devices, but has this technology been tested in animals? Okay. Has it been yeah, that's a good in, point. In... A number of studies now testing different oxygen controllers, but none of them has really been large scale and none used really important clinical outcomes. And there are also different types of controllers. And uh, I'm sure that uh, Peter Dagerville will go into this in more detail. But basically, uh, what all the studies have shown so far is that with automatic oxygen control, you can increase the proportion of time a baby spent within the assigned target range actually quite substantially. Uh, okay, that's, that, that brings us nicely on to um, uh, Professor Darville's um, uh, papers from the, this month's journal. Um, Professor Darville, um, you have two uh, uh, papers published in, in January's um, uh, edition of the journal. Could you just lead us through the two main step process and, and what's your algorithm, um, uh, how that was uh, initiated and then how it was validated? Yes, it, I guess it is a two-step process in its very simplest form, with the first step being to um, derive or design an algorithm, a set of computational instructions that you think will be able to control FiO2 well and then to test it in a, a um, clinical study, and that's what we had has, have done in those first two papers. Um, preceding that work on developing the algorithm 
and reaching a point where we felt confident to test it in clinical studies. There was a lot of other work and a number of other publications that have looked at this biological system that we're trying to control. Uh, and we, first of all, with a group of engineers and, and, uh, and physicians, we, we looked at how we were going to tackle this job of trying to control the system properly. And we've always had and still do have the idea that if we're going to, to use a, a system like this to control FIO2, we should do it as, as optimally as possible. And, and if we take the analogy of, automated, of an automated um, pilot, that uh, we wouldn't want a, an automatic pilot system that, that only worked up to a degree. We'd want one that worked uh, perfectly or as perfectly as possible. Uh, and that's what we're trying to do with the algorithm that we've, we have developed and, and tested and are still developing. And we looked at different options for the design, whether we took a, an essentially medical approach where we say the physician knows best and we'll give the algorithm instructions that we we uh, uh, conceive, um, and so there are a number of algorithms that are based around that idea. There, there are less algorithms that are based around the idea that that you can uh, an engineering type approach where you think you can control the system by understanding and modelling the system. That's very difficult to do with um, automated oxygen control because the biological system is so complex and rather chaotic. And so we ended up going for what we call a combined medical and engineering approach where, where we, we accept that we can't give a, a rule-based um, algorithm that, that's going to control the system well all the time, accept that the system can't be modelled and find an algorithm that can function without a pre-existing model. And for that, we came up with the algorithm of, uh, which is called proportional integral derivative which is a widely based algorithm used in uh, engineering. It's used, for example, in cruise control in motor vehicles. And we adapted that system to the biological um, process, i.e. oxygenation, that we were trying to control. Uh, and in order to do that, and that adaptation involved doing some tests in simulation to find the best possible algorithm that we could, could find, starting with proportional integral derivative or PID and adding some uh, some extras or some um, enhancements to that algorithm to make it work better in the clinical system that we were wanting to control. And so the first paper that we wrote was about developing that algorithm and starting with a PID core um, to add those enhancements that we, we um, came, came upon. And they are enhancements that recognise certain aspects of the biological system, such that at the top end, um, the oxygenation response is non-linear. And so a, a jump up from 98 to 99% in saturation is, is a much different change in PO2 from a jump up from 88 to 89. Uh, and we also knew from work we'd done that the um, system changes with the severity of lung dysfunction. So making a small change in FiO2 for a patient in 50% oxygen with bad lung disease it will produce a different response to making the same change in a patient, a baby who's in room air. And we also acknowledge that uh, with proportional integral derivative, even though we target so a so-called midpoint, which would be the midpoint of the saturation target range, that other values within the target range are still quite acceptable 
and so we had an attenuation of the response in the target range. So they were the main enhancements that we tested in simulation in that first paper, and we, we um, were able to use clinical data uh, in this simulation, uh, and the development of that is, is another story in itself. Uh, but the results were that uh, our algorithm with those enhancements I've just described actually seemed to control the system well uh, with a high proportion of time in the target range and less time in hyperoxia and hypoxia and, and uh, less episodes of, of those. We then, having done that first study and arrived at an algorithm that we thought was at least testable, uh, conducted our first clinical study, which was in 20 preterm infants. Uh, unlike some other um, algorithms that have been tested largely or wholly in, in babies who were ventilated, we've tested ours in babies who are on non-invasive respiratory support, uh, i.e. CPAP, with the, with the thinking that most preterm babies spend most of their time on CPAP and actually uh, the data would suggest that it's harder even to control the, the saturation uh, on CPAP than it is on ventilating. And so that first study involved uh, 20 babies, uh, tested for periods of four hours of automated control with the, with the uh, uh, in each case, the, there being a crossover design so that that four hour period of, of automated control was compared with uh, flanking periods each of four hours of manual control where the uh, bedside staff did as they normally would do. And again, in brief, the main results of those uh, of that uh, clinical study were that, first of all, there was a very substantial increase in time in the target range, which for us was 91 to 95% saturation. Uh, and uh, importantly, there was less time in both the hyperoxic end of the range and also the hypoxic range. So the shoulders and the tail of the of the SpO2 histogram were both reduced with more time actually spent in the target range and substantially less episodes of 30 seconds or more of hyperoxia and hypoxia. One other thing we reported in the study was that each individual patient amongst the 20 benefited from being on automated control and we feel that's very important that the group doesn't benefit as a whole, but uh, in some individuals, automated control is worse than manual. We feel it's very important to be able to uh, design a system that works well in every single patient, recognising how different they may be in, in their oxygenation responses. Uh, and the automated control system seemed to be able to do its job without increasing the uh, overall FiO2, which was the same in automated control as it was in manual control. So those were the main results of those two studies and they've led on for us to um, a, a lot more work which uh, and we've just about to start our second study uh, of a longer period of automated control with some further refinements to our algorithm. I'd like to thank Professor Ports and Professor Darkfoe for their participation in this podcast. Owing to some technical difficulties we weren't able to bring you the full discussion However, the 12 minutes or so that we did bring you were certainly interesting. Obviously, this new technology requires further rigorous testing in randomized controlled trials to determine benefit and lack of harm, as with all newly introduced systems in neonatal intensive care, and we look forward to these in the future. We look forward to you also joining us in the future for further podcasts, and we thank you for listening. Music